Lord. Well, open your Bibles for a few moments to Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. And I just want to talk a few moments. This has just been in my spirit, the importance of the Word of God. And we've heard a lot of messages preached um, on the Bible, on the Word. Um, but one thing we do know is we are living right now in a culture that is largely, um, it's really a culture that has abandoned the Bible on many, many levels. And so I want to talk about that because we have to be so careful that we who know the word, right? How many of you love the scriptures? We who know the word and love the word of God don't get caught up in the tide or the downhill, you know, stream that we stay straight as an arrow. Come on, somebody. That we stay right on the scripture, right where God wants us to be. And we know, this is so important, hear me now, that we know how to rightly divide the word of truth we need to know the truth I want to know the truth when you when Jesus says three times in Matthew the 24th chapter let no one deceive you think about that that means that it, the problem in the last days is that deception is a rampant problem and you know it wouldn't be deception if you knew it was happening Okay, people get deceived thinking something sounds right. That's why here we are in the middle of a, a culture that is redefining, you know, biblical, the biblical definition of marriage. They're redefining it. And there are Christians who, despite what the Bible says, have bought into that because there's good sounding arguments that people make and everybody has rights and all of these things. And then people reason in their own natural mind. Come on, we all have a noggin up here. And you can reason in your natural mind about things. But without realizing it, if we're not careful, in the way the society is now, the culture is now, the world is. You know, the Bible says the spirit of Antichrist is already where? It's already in the world. We're not just waiting for a figure to rise up. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. The scripture tells us that. So I want to read this passage to you, and we're going to talk about being people. They used to say it back in the day, sticklers for the word. I'm going to say we're people that we've got our feet cemented in the scripture and the truth of the word of God. I don't want to just be a stickler for the word. I want to be cemented in every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Can I get an amen if you agree with me on that? All right, Deuteronomy chapter 8, let's go. Verse 1, all, somebody say all. All, all the commandments which I command. Notice he didn't say suggestions. He said they're commandments. Okay, God, just because we're in the New Testament doesn't mean commandments went out the window. All the commandments that I command thee this day, you shall observe. Somebody say observe. observe. That means you keep it. You're committed to it. You're bound to it. You're determined by it. Observe to do that you might, one, you might live. How many of you want to live? So be alive, be well. You want to live a healthy quality of life. Okay, if you observe to do the word, that's what God was telling Israel. If you'll observe to do it. You'll be a doer of what I have commanded, then you'll live. You'll be well. You'll be healthy. Thank God garlic is not the healer of the church. Jesus still is. Okay, you can take pills and vitamins and supplements all day long, but at the end of the day, people who do those things, I mean, I mean, I do take vitamins, but loads of people that, you know, have baskets and boxes of shakes and supplements, they still, many of them still don't live healthy. 
There's only one thing that can be the foundation. If you observe to do and obey God, the Bible said he told Israel, you'll live. Then he said that you will live and multiply. Well, what's multiply? That's increase. doesn't mean you'll have 15 children. It just simply means you'll have increase. You'll be expanding, right? And you'll go in and possess the land. Well, that's what are we doing here across the street right over here? Come on, we're possessing some land. Okay, God has a a promised land for everybody under the sound of my voice. God has a purpose for you. He has an assignment. He has something that he wants you to accomplish in the earth. It may not be to buy a pizza building, but it might be something else. And I just want to say, if you'll be obedient to God and you'll be obedient to his word and you'll put your feet down and cement into the scriptures, the Bible, just like God told Israel, he said, not only will you live, you'll multiply, but you'll possess, you'll own. Come on, you'll advance the kingdom. Kingdom. Hallelujah. So he said, you'll possess the land that I swore and you shall remember all. There's that word again, all. You'll remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. Watch this now. These 40 years in the wilderness. This is a part we don't like to hear so much, but it's in the Bible. To humble you. So God said, I led you in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you. And to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he, verse three, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to, and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. In other words, God said, you know, I pulled back so that you would have a need to see if you would depend on me. Isn't that right? which you knew not, neither did thy fathers know, they didn't know what manna was, that he might make you to know that man does not live, watch this, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And your raiment wax not old upon you, neither did your foot swell these 40 years. And you shall also consider that in thy heart that that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord chastens thee. Therefore you shall keep his commandments, say commandments, of the Lord thy God to walk in his way and to fear him. Now let me just break down a couple points because there are three key things that I just summarized out of this little passage of scripture that I want us to get a hold of for a moment. Number one, that as believers, as Christians, we have to make a committed, and I wish there was just a better word than committed, I mean a committed effort every single day of our life to know what's in this book, to obey this Bible, okay, to look at it, and even if it's, because there's parts of the Bible sometimes we don't like to do. (laughs) But we're obedient, and we observe to do it carefully. That's the first thing we learn from this passage. Isn't that what God was telling Israel? He told them that if you will be obedient to all my commandments, you will live. So God is telling them, number one, observe every day. When we get up in the morning, you get ready to go to work. God, am I observing your word? Show me areas where I'm not being observant to your commandments, your teachings, your principles that are found in the scripture. Number two, that God, here's the second thing we can learn from this, that God will allow us to go through things or certain experience to certain experiences to know whether or not we will stay with the word. 
okay? Now, I'm not saying God brings sickness, none of that. Now, I'm not saying that, but there's a devil out there, okay? Jesus had to have face-to-face combat with Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. He was in the wilderness, right? And he was confronting the devil. The devil was confronting him. But here is the truth, that you and I will go through things in this life, and it's not that we have to prove it to God. God already knows what we're going to do. But we do have to prove it to ourselves, and we need to prove it in the face of the devil. Devil, you can try to say, throw yourself off the pinnacle of this temple, but I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. That's what he did with Jesus. So God will bring us into things and allow us to go places and have things in our life, and, it'll, and the determining factor is, will we cave into the pressure? Or will... We say, no, I don't care what it looks like. I will obey and stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. And and I'm preaching this because there is tremendous pressure right now from the enemy to get God's people to back off. Okay, and accept all kinds of things. But we're not going to do it. We're going to obey the word of God. We are going to be obedient to the scripture. And then the third thing you can learn from this, that we cannot survive, though we may try sometimes, we cannot survive on natural solutions to mediate our problems. And it's easy to do. We live in this self-help driven culture that, I mean, there is answers for everything. I mean, if you don't like what your face looks like, there's a cream to fix it. I mean, just rub this on. I mean, I'm, for everything, it'll get rid of moles, it'll get rid of spider veins, it'll get rid of varicose veins. You just rub on this stuff, and I'm like, and you look at that stuff, and you just think, I need all of it. I want to buy all those. But we, you can't, we can't live on these solutions. And that is also why they're good products. I'm not downing anything like that. I'm just saying that we can be so driven to put our faith, that's what King Asa did, so much in all of these natural self-help, self-betterment. There's a class for this, a cream for that, a solution, a counselor, a this, a that. In fact, next week I'm going to talk to you about all of the things that the Word of God will do in your life if you'll commit to it. But we can't live by those things. God told Israel, you will live by every word I have spoken. And if you will live by every word I have spoken, you'll find out you don't need a cream. You don't need a a, a Botox. You don't need all of these natural things. It's not vitamins that are going to cure you. My word will be the source and the solution. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Come on, somebody say every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I like that. Now this scripture, this passage was manifested later in the life of Jesus. I referenced his 40 days and 40 nights. Satan comes to him and confronts him. And by the way, it wasn't just three little temptations. 40 days he was in direct spiritual warfare. 40 nights. He stood there fasting. Now, the Bible highlights some key ones for us that highlights that we'll live by the word. 
Number two, Jesus, that we won't be caught up in pride because remember, he said, well, the glory is given to me. If you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these things. And Jesus didn't do it, right? And then, and, and, and then, of course, the devil said, if you'll throw yourself off this temple, the angels will come and get you. And Jesus turned around and he said, no, you can't tempt the Lord your God. Well, what is that, Pastor Brenda? What does it mean to tempt the Lord your God? Where you question his faithfulness. Will he come through if I'm in a pickle or not? Well, that's not our job. Our job is to be obedient to the word of God and know that God will be faithful to his word. God is faithful to what he spoke. Part of the problem is we don't know it well. But you know what I believe? You know what I believe in my spirit? I believe there is a generation right now that God is bringing back to the solidarity of Scripture that are going to not bow down to the idols of the land. And we're going to say, no, we're going to keep decreeing. Come on, somebody. We're going to keep declaring. We're going to keep speaking the word. It might look this way. It might look that way. But my God still fights the enemy. My God will still shatter the teeth of the wicked according to the Psalms. My God still heals. My God still delivers because that's what the Bible declares. Can I get an amen from somebody who believes that the Bible is the inerrant word of God and God will do whatever he said he'll do. And we got to get determined. We need to be determined about it. So, so here's the thing. How, how do we get determined? Now, let me say a couple things, and then I want to share. I want to hopefully, if time permits, I'm going to go to Mark, the fourth chapter. Interesting you reference that, sweetheart. Uh, but we are, the culture right now, now even in the church, the culture right now has, this is why this is so important, has by and large, even in the church, has really gone away from the Bible as a source. Now, I remember, I don't know what generation, I guess I'm Generation X. I don't know if it, there's, I know there's some before that. Anybody know what they are? I don't know. Huh? Baby boomers, and then there was one before that. I saw one I listed, it was the silent generation. That means you're really old. The silent, I mean silent, I mean what is that? I mean, I don't know, maybe nobody remembers what, huh? We're people, we're people. But some of us who are, maybe you're born in the 50s and 60s, early 70s, you would remember even the Bible being read in public school. And I can remember teachers. How many of you remember that? They would actually read the Bible, and then they'd come over the speaker, the intercom, before classes started at the beginning of the day, and there'd be a time of prayer. Remember that? Or they called it after prayer was taken out of school. They, they still had a time of silence and of reverence. So, and then we would say the Pledge of Allegiance. I remember all these things. But the, the tide and the culture has shifted so much. And I, I found a study, just a recent study. It was from 2020, the Barna Group, if you've ever heard of them, that they found out now, this is as of two years ago, watch this, just two years ago, that only a mere 28% of millennials and Gen Zers believe the Bible is God's inerrant word. Only 28. I was like shocked. I mean, and watch, this is even worse. And you're not, I, I, I wouldn't believe it. I had to read it like four times. And that only 2% of that same age group have a biblical worldview. No wonder the devil is taking such an advance and, and gaining ground. We have to 
somehow come back in and say, no, not on our watch. We're going to bring the Bible back to center focus. We're going to bring the word back to center focus. But, but then it gets kind of worse than that. We also have, the, that's the secular culture, but now churches are adopting much of a similar mindset where, you know, the, the Sunday experience is not much more than a social club. You go in and you get a, and, and how many people don't even think to bring a Bible to church? Well, yeah, we have apps, Pastor Brent. I'm going to talk about those in a few moments. But I, I think there needs to be a book. God didn't say he had an app of remembrance. He said he had a book. I, I like books. There's something about the physical book that you can write stuff in, write it down. You can make notes. You can make colors. Yeah, but Pastor Brent, you can do that on the app too. I know it's not the same. I need markers. Amen. There's just something about it. Something about writing notes. And apps change. They update. You lose your phone. You lose all your notes. And you forgot to update the cloud for 142 days. And there's that. But your book is with you, right? So, uh, so the church, the church itself is many times abandoning the Bible. Say, well, why is that? Pastor Brenda, why is there so much abandonment of Scripture even in the church? Well, I'm going to tell you. And I'm just, let me just say a couple things here because I, I have to look at me too. We all have to look at ourselves. Number one, many people just don't read the Bible. Okay? I mean, I'm like you. I get up in the morning, the phone starts talking. I mean, you get up and you think, okay, I just got to open my eyes. And I pull up the phone and there's shopping apps come up. I'm like, why are you shopping for shoes at 6.30 in the morning? And I think, well, I might not find it again in the thread. So then I think you need to get that or you got to get the grocery order done or then the news notification comes and we can spend our morning. Come on, I'm telling on myself. I'm not going to be the only one confessing up here. I'm going to tell you that it's easy to get up out of bed and you open your device and there is shopping, there's news, there's Facebook notifications. You want to see how many people overnight liked your post. You want to go and find out who just friend requested you. You're searching, looking, and that phone is in front of you first thing in the morning. That's what it's, there is a barrage of info and it's easy to sit there and tell yourself, I've done it, I am confessing in front of you. I open my, my crazy little device I sit there in front of the coffee and I think I'm just going to look at this till the coffee pot stops <laughs> if you're if you have a Keurig it takes even less but I think I'm going to look at this and then I just think I'm going to no I'm just going to scroll until the coffee I drink the first cup and then I'm going to and your my bible is here on I haven't it sits on the arm of my chair and I think and I hear the Holy Spirit, he'll say, you stop. You better get in that word because you know what's going to happen? You're going to start at 7 in the morning answering emails because then after you've scrolled and looked, you think, oh, now I'm just going to answer the emails because if I get all the emails done at 6.30, but by the time I get to the office or everybody's awake, I'll have answered everybody. And it gets away from you. So a lot of people, they're not, they only read enough of the Bible to be dangerous. And, and then that's why we get half-baked, you know, theories commented online and things written that really don't pull in a balanced view of the Bible simply because we don't read it. The second part to that is how many Christians really spend deep time. Am I talking to somebody today? Deep time 
studying their Bible. And when I say study, I mean you dig apart a verse, you read it backwards, you read it forwards, you compare every other scripture in there that has to do with that verse, but study the Bible. And let me just make a comment, and I'm just, mm, the, I'll say it like this. Be careful a little bit with all of these new hipster versions of the Bible. And it's not because they can't help us understand. I, I get it. The King James is thee, thou, thy, though. And, you know, he wist not. We don't say he wist not. You know, he didn't know is how we'd probably say that. But the, the fact of the matter is there, some of these older versions are a little closer to the original text. And there are versions of the Bible that have been written by groups that believe certain things. I'm not going to call out which ones, but to formulate a mindset that is culturally pleasing. So we do have to be a little careful because some of the newer ones, while they sound so great, they don't, some of them do deviate from the original text. So I say that, and I'm not trying to tell you to throw out your message or your passion translation. I don't know. Those are some of the newer ones. But here's the thing. Many, many Christians don't study, study, study the Bible. Okay? We have to get back to reading the book. And I want to challenge everybody today. Make a point of reading your Bible every day. Read if it's a psalm, if you have time for five verses. In fact, God told years ago, Oral Roberts, he said, uh, Oral, I want you to read all four Gospels and the book of Acts three times in 30 days. I mean, and I calculated that as something like 12 chapters a day. And I, and I thought, well, God, I can't even comprehend that much in that amount of time. But, he, but the Lord told him this. He said, if you'll do that, you'll know Jesus better than anybody. And so I want to challenge us in this culture that is giving us a barrage of info that we will get back and say, you know what? I'm not going to miss time in my Bible. Secondly, I'm going to calendar time. You know, Microsoft will help you calendar now. They have this Viva thing that comes up and tells you you have this many emails and all of these. I don't know what they call it, but, and it's stupid. Really, it doesn't even help me. I'm like, I already know that. You tell me what I already know. I don't know. But it won't tell you to read your Bible. It won't tell you that. It won't tell you that. You're going to have to fight the barrage of info and the influx of things coming into your world and say, no, I'm going to get time. I'm going to calendar some time to study my Bible. I'm going to learn my Bible because if Satan is on the loose, the Bible said he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if he can devour you, he'll do it because you don't know what's written therein. And so take some time, dig into it, study some stuff. You might get some revelation. I'm telling you, you will. So spend some time. A lot of people, the Bible says 2 Timothy 2.15, study to what? Show yourself approved. Well, approved when? It approved under the day of testing. Approved under the, uh, uh, at the time of battle. Show yourself approved unto God. A workman that doesn't have to come up short. That's the Brenda version. Don't come up short. When you need a healing, you'll know you've been in the word. See, don't wait to just look up healing scriptures when you need to get healed. If you do that, you, you'll struggle whether you believe it or not. You'll go back and forth. Don't just wait to find out verses on finances when you're broke. No, build your foundation. That's what Jesus said. Come on, you don't go out there when they're saying there's going to be a storm and board the windows 
in a category two. We don't do that. Build the foundation when you, are, you feel like, man, everything's going good. Nothing's going wrong. Everything's going good in my world. That's when you read scriptures on healing. When you feel your best, you read the scriptures on healing. When you have money in the bank, you better read scriptures on finances. And so that when the day of testing, come on somebody, the day of challenge comes, you know the word of God and you can stand in the face of Satan and say, how dare you? The Bible says, I like it the way Jesus said it. He said, it is written. It's written, so study the Bible. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Don't let them, what? Depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. I believe there must be a culture somewhere in the church and in the body of Christ that gets back on the word of God, holds on to the scripture in the face of the culture, in the face of Satan. Come on, I wouldn't want to go to a church where the pastor never opens a book. I know you wouldn't either. That's why you're here, because we read from the Bible. Turn to James, the first chapter. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to go for just a few more minutes, and I am not getting to all this today, but that's okay. Go to James. Then there's people that hear the word, the Sunday morning goer, but they don't have any inclination to do it. They just hear it. They're like, oh, man, Pastor preached a great word today, but they don't take notes, and they didn't apply it all week. Verse 21, James 1, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Now, there's a King James phrase. It means continual wickedness. Okay, see, that's why you study. Because then I can read these, and I have them written down, and I know what they mean. Superfluity of naughtiness means a continual wicked way. And receive with meekness the engrafted or the planted word. Engrafted is planted. It's planted in your spirit. It's not just a potted, you know, a potted plant can pick up and move and die. They die easily. How many of you, in fact, my husband told me every spring when we go to get our flowers for the house outside, he said, do not buy those hanging plants. I do all the watering and they always die in two weeks. He said, he, I, so, I said, but they look so good. Look at them hanging up there at the garden center. He said, don't buy that. You're not allowed to buy the hanging pots. So, but the thing of it is, is they're subject. Potted plants are subject. But man, those big old maple trees that sit in the yard, those big old oak trees that are in your backyard, they're not so subject. They're planted in deep ground. So that's what it means. Receive with meekness the planted word in your spirit. And be not hearers only, deceiving who? Your own self. You don't even need the devil to help. You do it to you. You do it to yourself because you hear a preaching or you hear a scripture, but you don't apply it. You don't do it. You hear, I mean, the worst thing a Christian can do is sit and listen to a sermon preach and thinks it's for somebody else. Because then you think, well, I've already got that. I've, I've done that. I know those verses. I've read that before. And, and that's, and listen, I mean, we wouldn't want to get up here and preach the same old dry thing week after week. A lot of churches have fallen into that. But what we can't do is just hear things and just think, oh, yeah, okay, that was great. And then go out and never make a point to apply it to our life. Pastor gets up and preaches on the tongue, talks about how James says it's a deadly poison. 
death and life are in the power of the tongue and people will walk right out on a, right into the parking lot of the church and go, oh, I don't know how we're going to make it home. We only have a quarter tank of gas. We have to apply the scripture, right? For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For behold, he looks at himself and goes his way. Somebody say his way. And straightway forgets the manner of man he was. In other words, it's his way, not God's way. And we forget what kind of person we are. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. Hallelujah. And being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man or woman shall be blessed in their deed. In other words, though, and then I always like to say it can go the other way. If you don't do that, you won't be blessed in what you do. And, and, and it's sad to me that there are a lot of Christians that don't understand why they don't get their prayers answered, why things haven't worked out for them, why their life hasn't gone right and somebody else's has, or God, why did this happen this way? And yet, could it just be that maybe... Maybe we have been hearers and not doers of the Bible. All right. So there's that. Then we have people don't read the Bible. Christians don't study the Bible. People that are doers of the word. word. And then we have people that only grab a hold of scriptures that they like. And I'm telling you, it's hard to read the ones that you don't like. I remember the first time I read the book of James. I was in high school, and I thought, I'm, I, I was still living at my parents' house. I was 15 years old, and I was trying to be in the Word more. And I went out on the back patio, and I thought, I don't know what to read. So, and I was just really new in these things. And I, I did. I opened to the book of James. And I got done reading. I thought, God, that's terrible. That's terrible. I don't even want to read that. That just, that's a me, that sounded so harsh. It was so harsh. Well, part of it is the word was confronting my own heart. And, and so it's hard to read scriptures you don't like. But I heard a man say it like this one time. He said, there's an equal amount of bless me scriptures. All the ones that make you want to run and shout. Come on, Teresa. The scriptures will make you run. The scriptures will make you praise. And then there's another equal amount of correct me scriptures. If you get too much of one or the other, you, you won't do right. You won't be balanced. You, you won't have a right, rightly dividing of the word of truth. Too much bless me, you're going to get soft. And you're going to listen to, you know what? God just has a grace for everybody. They can be gay, but God still loves them. They'll go on the unconditional love side and God is, no, and anything goes because they're all into the bless me scriptures. That's what people are using right now to promote some of the agendas they're doing. That's why they can take scriptures that we know and, and then deviate from, from the truth and say things like love wins. You know, God's, uh, God loves everybody. He don't want anybody to go to hell. Well, of course he doesn't want anybody to go to hell, but they're gonna. Because the other side of the Bible... Okay, what, what's the two sides of the mercy seat, right? So here's the thing. There's, there's bless me and then there's correct me scripture. Too much bless me, you'll get soft and go along with the tide and anything goes. And then too much correct me and you get mean and nasty and become a Pharisee. But the Bible is filled with a balance of the two. 
And we need to rightly divide the word of truth. Yes, there's correction. Yes, there's discipline. Yes, God chastises. Yes, there's hard truth. Narrow is the way that leads to life. There is hard truths of the Bible. There is a real hell. And the Bible says in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, hell has opened wide its mouth. So there is a real hell, but then the other side of the Bible is there's a real heaven and that God loves you and he is merciful and he's gracious, gracious and slow to anger. We need both. The Pharisees were hung up on using the Bible against Jesus as a weapon. Okay, an arrow. We should not use scripture to shoot arrows at each other. That's not right. But we have to have standards according to the word, right? So manipulating scripture, people do that. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for correction. So it'll teach you, but it'll correct you. And it'll train you up in righteousness. So learn how in your life, if you are a studier of the Bible... Learn how in your life to balance scripture with scripture. How many of you know to do that? Okay, when you read a revelation, you find something in the, in the word, then balance it with other scripture. Find multiple scriptures that go along the line. You know, and, and listen, many are well-meaning people. I know people in the ministry who were major voices at one point. Major voices. And they started preaching, well, God loves everybody, so there could never be a literal hell. Hell is, they'll say, hell, hell is only a, a, a place of, of darkness. But then they'll go on further, and it's called universalism, you've heard it, and they'll preach that everybody's eventually going to be reconciled from, to God. Well, that doesn't go with the Bible. There's not a balance of scripture to scripture. So we have to learn how, especially now, because the devil is using the Bible in a pharisaical way to try to trap the church, to try to trap you, to try to get you off track from the truth. Come on, the scripture says he comes not as an angel of darkness. He comes as an angel dressed up in light clothes. He looks like it's from God. He makes it look like this is good when it's evil. So we have to be more sober, more vigilant, more alert, and we ought to be armed with the word of righteousness, the sword of our spirit. And if I could encourage you with anything today, it's get back in your Bible. And if you haven't spent the time, well, repent of it. It's okay. I mean, God isn't going to, you know, shoot you if you don't. But, you know, the reason people get in trouble with God and wonder, I, 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 it discourages my heart. When I see Christians go, well, Pastor Brenda, Pastor Hank, I don't know why I prayed this. I asked God for this, and it just didn't happen. Well, there could be a lot of reasons to that. But were you connected in the Scripture? Do you read the Bible as an emergency Band-Aid? We can't, we can't afford that in this time or this hour. We have to be people that know what we believe because God said it. And we're going to believe it in Jesus' name. Come on, stand up on your feet. I'm all out of time. Now, next week, I want to talk about, so hopefully you're going to go home and you're going to increase your Bible reading. And by the way, there are tons of resources. If you're new in some of this, there are tons of resources out there to help you. Because I can't assume everybody hearing me today has, you know, been a Christian for 30 years. There are, if, they, if I've got millennials that don't even know 
how to read the Bible, or they don't read. You know, a lot of people now don't even own one. That's terrifying. I want to challenge you this week to increase your time in the Word of God. Study. Get yourself a notebook. Get, it's time. Come on, dust that concordance off. Now, let me say this about apps, and I want to just... And then next week, we're going to talk about how to receive the Word so it produces for you. Apps are good in this, that something that I do, and I do want to encourage you to do this. There are a lot of things I get it that read in the King James one way that means something different than how we speak English now. So it's important. Apps are good. I mean, I used to remember we'd preach back in the 80s. We didn't have cell phones, and we had to have a much bigger pulpit than we have now. I mean, the pulpit top was this big because we had the King James. Then we'd put up the Amplified, and there would be the Living Bible, and we'd have an NIV maybe in, in on a few things. We didn't mostly like the NIV, but we'd put the Amplified. And if you're charismatic and a word person, man, the Amplified was always there. And we'd, we'd lay out all, and then sometimes the vines would be on the pulpit the concordance and but here's the thing the app will allow you when I read my Bible every time I do get my device and I open my apps and I compare scripture to scripture I read the King James and then I read several others I would encourage you to do that and balance that out but then go back and get some references come on how many of you have some online references that work amazingly study the word until you know it very very well we ought to be able to quote some of these basic verses that I'm quoting you. We ought to know them so well. Okay? We ought to be able to quote Isaiah 53 all the way through the chapter. It's powerful. And they taught us in the early church. Now, when we were, you know, I went to Baptist high school. They told us at that time, they said we had to memorize scripture, whole chapters. All of Psalm 91. You had to stand up in front of the class and you had to say it. I think we ought to get back to memorizing the Bible. Come on. Well, what if I don't understand it? I promise you, God has this amazing way that if you'll sit there and you'll, come on, memorize, memorize. It's time to go back to eighth grade and memorize for the test. Memorize it, memorize it, because some of us need to in this day memorize Psalm 91 again. Get it down where you can just stand in your mirror and quote it. Because I promise you on a time of pressure, when the devil's trying to bring a night terror and he's trying to scare you and tell you he'll kill you early and pre uh, prematurely, you'll be able to stand up and say, oh, no, 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 devil, no, devil. And you'll be able to quote the word of God verbatim in the face of Satan. And guess what? You'll do it in faith, not out of fear. Hallelujah. All right, throw your hands up. Say it. Say, say, Lord, I'm going to be a person of the word. I'm going to cement my feet in the scriptures. I will not abandon what you have written. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to know it. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to get your word in my spirit that I might live that I might increase and I can advance your kingdom. If you believe it, give God a shout. Amen. We'll finish this up next week. I'll have a little bit more time to talk to you. I don't know how far we'll get in the 1130 service, but I really believe God's going to take us somewhere as we get back to what pastor said, praying in tongues and praying, and we get back to being people who can wield the sword of God's word. Amen.